Welcome to your Actos Digital Brief podcast. I'm Molly Killeen, and this week we'll be taking a closer look at the issue of online anonymity, which has emerged as a sticking point in recent debates on regulating online harms. This episode is powered by YouTube. YouTube recommender systems connect billions of people around the world to creators that inspire, teach, and entertain us. In 2020, YouTube's creative ecosystem contributed 2.38 billion euros to EU GDP and supported 142,000 full-time equivalent jobs, revealing the real impact it had on real people. To learn more, read the Oxford Economics Report, State of the Creator Economy. How to stem the tide of online abuse has been a key question in a number of recent initiatives launched to bolster digital regulation, including as part of the EU's Digital Services Act. Last week, UK lawmakers gathered in Parliament to debate a report published by the Joint Committee on the Draft Online Safety Bill. The committee was tasked with reviewing the government's proposal for a framework for regulating online harms, and in December, after five months of consultation, it published its recommendations on strengthening the legislation. Addressing online abuse is a central mission of the Online Safety Bill, and the report notes that the role of anonymity in facilitating it was repeatedly cited as a problem by those who provided feedback to the committee. In its conclusions, the report strikes somewhat of a middle ground on the issue, but the amount of discussion it prompted in last week's debate indicates that it's far from closed. Calls for action to curtail anonymity are nothing new. Concern over the impacts of online abuse had been voiced for many years, growing in parallel with the power and presence of social media platforms in everyday life. Central to many of these arguments for limits on anonymity and pseudonymity online is the idea that being able to hide behind a false identity or obscure a real one emboldens people to act in ways and say things that they otherwise wouldn't. Calls for urgent action to address the issue were particularly prominent in the UK last summer, following the surge of racist abuse aimed at members of the England football team after the Euro 2020 final. There's also been specific attention paid to the online threats and abuse sent to all, but in particular female politicians. Ahead of the UK's last general election, in fact, a number of female members of parliament cited online abuse as a factor in their decisions not to stand for re-election. And democratic debate more broadly could also be at risk, some worry, with people potentially self-censoring or withdrawing entirely from the political conversation online in response to or in anticipation of backlash. It's also been noted that anonymity can contribute to the conditions for an accelerated spread of disinformation online by allowing people to author or share misleading content with impunity while at the same time reducing the opportunity for others to assess the credibility of its sources. In response to these issues, a range of identity verification measures have been proposed. At the more all-encompassing end, some have suggested that the provision of some form of ID should be made mandatory when opening a social media account, meaning that even if people choose to use a false name publicly, platforms would have a record of who they really are. Another suggestion is that verification could remain optional, but whether or not a user had gone through with it would be indicated on their account somehow. Think blue ticks on Twitter. A similar proposal would see a filter added to platforms that would allow users to remove any content posted by unverified accounts from their feeds. The benefits of these kinds of actions would be multiple, proponents say, not only reducing the risk of abuse and misinformation, but also making it possible for those who engage in criminal activity online to be more easily traced by law enforcement. There has, however, been strong opposition to the introduction of these kinds of measures. 
Many rights groups have pointed out that the freedom to be anonymous online is crucial for many people. Domestic abuse victims, for example, as well as whistleblowers, people exploring their sexuality, or activists speaking out against governments. Introducing verification checks, it's argued, would mean that the internet would no longer be a place where people at risk in their offline lives could speak and access information more freely. And there are also concerns over the privacy implications of companies or public authorities amassing personal data of this kind on this scale. Could governments access it, for example, to track down someone who'd been critical of them on social media? The point has also been made that restricting anonymity might not actually have the desired effect, as many people are still comfortable posting abuse under their own names. Others have argued that the idea that widespread total anonymity exists is false in the first place, and that where criminality does occur, law enforcement is already often easily able to trace the person behind it. Instead, many have pressed for the owners to be on platforms themselves to better moderate and prevent the publication of harmful content, an approach being taken in many of the legislative initiatives currently underway. Frances Haugen, the Facebook whistleblower who last year made global headlines with her insights into the impacts of big tech companies' business models, has instead argued that the real problem lies with the systems of amplification in place on social media platforms. Speaking before the Joint Committee on the Draft Online Safety Bill in October, she said, This is not a problem about individuals. It's about having a system that prioritises and mass distributes divisive, polarising, extreme content. In situations where you just show more content from your family and friends, you get for free, safer and less dangerous content. That is the greater solution. In the end, the Joint Committee's report on strengthening the Online Safety Bill acknowledged the importance of preserving online anonymity, concluding that anonymity and pseudonymity themselves are not the problem, and ending them would not be a proportionate response. Damien Collins, the committee's chair, told Parliament last week that instead there needed to be an expedited process of transparency so that when people are using anonymity to abuse other people, it must be much easier to swiftly identify who those people are. The report therefore recommends that platforms factor the presence of anonymous accounts into their risk assessments, and it also says that Ofcom, the regulatory body that will be tasked with enforcing the legislation, should then factor these risks into the development of its safety by design code, which is intended to be a binding code of practice that platforms will need to follow in order to preempt and mitigate the harms their services could cause. The committee's recommendations will now be reviewed by the government before the bill moves forward, but as attention increasingly turns to regulating digital platforms, the debate over how exactly to balance the right to be anonymous on the one hand with the right not to be subject to abuse on the other could be far from over. That's all we've got time for today but make sure to sign up for our free digital brief newsletter to receive an overview of the week's digital politics and policy news in your inbox every Friday. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or Amazon Music. I'm Monica Lee. Thanks for listening.